Oldcastle trying to center for Crosby, taps it down to Hornquist, back to Malkin, shoots, and a save, point blank by Budai. Now Kessel with a chance, Budai makes a stop on that. Two point blank chances for Pittsburgh, and Peter Budai turns them both away. You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. There's a shot blocked by Hagelin. He can fly. In comes Carl Hagelin. It's stopped by Budai. Back goes to Malkin. Feeds across. Kessel couldn't pull the trigger. Sends it back in front for Hagelin. He had Budai at his mercy, but couldn't fire it home. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. The offseason moves have already begun as the Kings bring back fan favorite Peter Budai. New Ontario Arena insider Zach Dooley is here to tell us what to expect from the trade. Then, to celebrate Father's Day, I had an extended conversation with <clears throat> my father about that Budai trade, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and just a truckload of baseless, rampant speculation about the future of the LA Kings. Never miss an episode this summer by subscribing to the podcast on Apple, Android, or even your Amazon Echo device. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com podcast. Joining me now, new Ontario Reign insider, Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Zach? Good, Jesse. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Welcome to Southern California. Welcome to the Kings. Welcome to Ontario. You and I have had a few conversations via email before this one, and so I have to ask you, I know you've been here about a month now, how does the traffic compare to the East Coast, specifically to New York? Man, the the, the traffic, I think, has been the hardest adjustment for me so far. Uh, where I'm from... Uh, Upstate New York, uh, the traffic's pretty easy. A lot of small towns, a lot of back roads. And then here, you know, sitting in standstill traffic on one of the freeways has been uh, an eye-opener for me. <laughs> I've always tried to explain it to my family members who live uh, in various places. Uh, if you leave, you know, at 4 o'clock, the commute could take you an hour. But if you leave at 4.15, somehow it can take you three hours. It's a bizarre a bizarre monster. Um, you're a brave man to tackle it. So let's get the big news right out of the gate. We had agreed to have this conversation before the trade of Andy Andrioff for Peter Budai. But now that it's happened, it's sort of a perfect way to introduce you to Kings fans. So what can you tell us about the organization's plans for Peter Budai now that they've brought him back? Now, from what I've seen and heard, you know, from, from John Rose and the LA Kings insider, you know, Peter Budai is probably slated to start the year with Ontario. You know, a very strong goaltending pipeline here for the Kings. Jonathan Quick, obviously the unquestioned number one in L.A., and Jack Campbell has earned that backup role um, from the end of last season. So I think how it, it looks right now is that a Cal Peterson, Peter Budai tandem is what Rain fans might be able to expect uh, in Ontario. Obviously, you know, injuries and things like that, you never know. But, you know, a, 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 a Peterson Budai tandem shapes up to be one of the strongest looking groups in the entire AHL, and I think Rain fans are very familiar with both goaltenders from Cal Peterson and last year, you know, growing in as a rookie and Peter Budai's performance in the 15-16 season. I think Rain fans have a lot to be excited about with those two in that. The first round of the AHL playoffs this year, uh, the, 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 I almost said the Kings, the, the Rain lose to the Texas Stars um, in a weird series where they actually outscored them in the series. There was a two-overtime game. Cal Peterson stood on his head. Uh, Coach Stuthers adamantly stated that he believed Cal Peterson was the best goalie in the American Hockey League. As you mentioned, Peter Budai had an outstanding season with the Reign a few years ago. So that tandem should provide great results. You worked with the Utica, Utica Comets, uh, the Adirondack Flames, and the Adirondack 
Adirondack Thunder. So you must know how important specific players can be to these minor league communities, regardless of how well uh, Budai performs on the ice. How important do you think it's going to be knowing how much he was loved by the Ontario Rain fans to have him back um, just from that perspective? It's always great to bring a fan favorite back into the fold. Um, from all, all I've heard, I wasn't there uh, with the rain in the 15-15 season, but from all accounts, you know Peter Budai, as good of a human off the ice as he is a goaltender on the ice, it's something I've heard from multiple people. Um, so, you know, rain fans were extremely excited to hear about this trade, not even knowing really, you know, is he going to be a king? Is he going to be a member of the rain? And just um, a lot of people, a lot of excitement around this move. Peter Budai, a guy very well liked here in the rain community, just from what I've seen over the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, I've only been here a couple of weeks, so it seems like he's a guy who fans are really excited about. Um, it, it's always good to bring in a guy who you have that experience and that familiarity with. I generally speaking try to avoid comment sections on YouTube videos or Facebook posts <laughs> or or anything like that. It's one of my rules of life. But I was I was flipping through Facebook uh, the other day and I thought, oh, I'd be curious to see what the fan reaction on the announcement of the trade is on the Facebook page. So I, I'm flipping through hundreds of hundreds of responses and and a ton of them were you know unbridled joy and great to have him back. And a few of them were sort of curious of, of what's the point of this? Why bring him back if you'd already gotten rid of him? You know, make up your mind, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I, I felt sort of sad for the people who didn't get it just because when you've, when you've worked in any kind of company and, and especially in an industry like professional sports where it's a small industry, um, it's really important, I think, to have people that you like to be around. Like I just don't think you can put a high enough price on on surrounding yourself with pleasant people, and and Peter Budai is one of those guys. I, I've never had a conversation with him. I don't know him personally, but it's almost impossible to mention his name just casually in a conversation without having somebody compelled to volunteer up what a nice guy he is. Like you know, I, I <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, yeah, I think I've noticed the exact same thing. Like, you know, we're in the same boat in the sense that, you know, I haven't worked with Peter Buda yet either. But from multiple people, you know, from a fan to members of the Kings to members of the Reign, I've only heard glowing things about Peter Buda as a human. And it's always it's always exciting, you know, as a communications guy to know that you're bringing in a veteran that is that level of person, you know, into the fold. It's always always good news to hear something like that. So he he. Most likely, it sounds like we'll, we'll tandem with Peterson in Ontario. Um, presumably, sets up the opportunity. I don't know if he'd be interested in it, but to establish him, you know, with a, with an even longer term presence in the franchise. Um, but let's talk about you, Zach Dooley. Uh, where did you grow up? What was your introduction to hockey? Um, who was your favorite player? Let's hear. Let's hear your 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 personal hockey path. So I'm an uh, upstate New York native, um, born and raised there, a uh, little town called Latham, New York, uh, about a few minutes outside of Albany. So I grew up watching the, the Albany River Rats of the AHL, was was the team I grew up going to games for. Um, after college, you know, I played hockey up and through high school, and it wasn't very good, <laughs> per se, but I always had a, 
a love for the game. Sure. Uh, which led to trying to pursue a career on the front office side. And after college, I got my first job with Utica Comets. They're an expansion franchise in the AHL. Um, Kings fans might know them as a team that the Manchester Monarchs defeated in the Calder Cup. Um, I was there the year before. Utica made the finals. They weren't quite as good. Um, but I worked a year in Utica, kind of got my feet wet in the industry. It was a great experience for me before I moved back towards home uh, with the Adirondack Flames. So another year with a first-year AHL franchise. But the team relocated from Abbotsford, British Columbia, to upstate New York. Had a great year there in the AHL before I settled in. Uh, the whole Western movement, which you know, the rain we're a part of, how the rain got started, was a similar movement to how Adirondack lost its AHL team. They moved to Stockton to become the Stockton Heat, and the Stockton Thunder came to Adirondack to become the Adirondack Thunder. Long story short, I moved into the ECHL with the Adirondack Thunder. Uh, three years there as the director of communications. Got a lot of great experience, and I'm really excited to be out in SoCal. Growing up, did you have an NHL team that you that you followed? Um, you know, not really. Uh, you know, my, my dad was a huge Rangers fan, so I think I watched more Rangers games than anything else. Um, Kings fans may not like to hear that I, I was a huge Tamer Solani fan as a kid. Um, just the way he, the way he played the game with his speed and skill was always, you know, he was the player I really enjoyed watching. Um, but I probably saw more Rangers games than anything else. You know, I think you'll find that Solani is probably the one, maybe Jaguar too, the one duck that Kings fans actually, I don't know that we like root for them, but we, we can see that they seem like real good guys and, and are, you know, we're insanely fun to watch. And I, oh, I can't believe I'm dusting off this cliche, but he seemed like a super classy guy. So I think we all get it. <laughs> when people have big salon events. No, I... <laughs> the only reason I asked though is, you know, growing up in Southern California, um, there wasn't a lot of minor league hockey when I was, well, as far as I know, there was no minor league hockey when I was growing up. Um, the Long Beach Ice Dogs showed up, like, I think maybe the year I graduated from high school. Um, but so I was always just an NHL fan, and then I had to discover the minor leagues. Do you consider yourself like a, a River Rats fan? Like, are you a dyed-in-the-wool, born, you know, born and bred, like, River Rats fan? Is that a thing? Or or was it just, you're a hockey fan, and that's the team that happened to be closest to you? I think I kind of started to identify as a River Rats fan, you know, as a kid, when I was a youth hockey player, those were the games that really introduced me to watching the sport. You know, the closest NHL team to me was a three, four-hour drive away, and the River Rats were 20 minutes downtown and you know the tickets a lot more affordable so i really got to go you know a few times a year to watch the rats and to me you know it was a big arena and to me that was you know that was almost the show like to watch these guys you know i knew the nhl was obviously better but you know as a seven eight nine growing kid you know the ahl was to me like this is this is what you want to be like this is so cool to be able to watch these guys who are pro players and the game was so fast to me you know just playing squirt hockey, seeing these guys, fully grown men, to play the game professionally. It was really cool for me. So the AHL was how I kind of got into the sport of hockey. And I, I think it's, it's now just so cool to me to be able to work in this league that I grew up watching. So that was going to be my next question. Given that you grew up in that environment, do you think you're uniquely positioned to, to speak to AHL fans, especially in a scenario like with the Reign and the Kings where the parent club is – in a perfect world, 45 minutes away. Um, you know, 
do, do you feel like you're per, uh, especially well suited to 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 pitch the sport to uh, the communities outside of uh, you know the, the greater Los Angeles area? You know, I hope so. You know, I've, I grew up watching the AHL for years, um, and I've worked in the AHL for two years in markets that are vastly different than Ontario. You know, Utica and Adirondack, those are three, four, five thousand feet buildings. And now coming out here to Ontario, it's, it's just such a bigger scale. You know, Citizens Business Bank Arena is a huge venue compared to what I worked with in Utica and Adirondack. So taking, you know, getting that experience in a smaller market, I think has prepared me really well to be able to come in and do hopefully a good job here in Ontario. So I'm really excited to be able to, to cover AHL hockey again after three years in the ECHL. And I, I'm hopeful that my experience is something that, you know, rain fans will look on favorably and give me a little bit of credibility as I'm, I'm talking about their players. So the building's bigger. Uh, how much exposure have you had to the fan base so far? You've, you've been here, what, a month, you said? Uh, just two weeks, actually. Oh, started, well, sorry, uh, two weeks. Started early June, so I've been okay. here, you know, not too long. Um, I've been able to meet a couple of fans. I, I went to uh, went to an event uh, my first week here and got to know a couple of people. And, you know, the one thing I've really noticed just from the digital side is how much the fans are here. You know, you see comments online, on social media, on the Kings Insider articles that have um, that pertain to the rain. And the fans here are clearly just so passionate. And it's not just, you know, a group of 10 or 20 fans. It's hundreds of fans, a thousand of fans that are really passionate about rain hockey. And it's cool to see the depth and the magnitude of the fans here and how, how many there are and, and how much they care. Did you follow the uh, the AHL playoffs at all? Were you were you waiting for that uh, final series between the Marlies and the Stars to wrap up? Yeah, you know, I I got hired, um, kind of offered the job um, right at the start of the playoffs, and for the beginning of the playoff run, other than the rain, I I was involved in my own playoff run in the ECHL with the Atlanta Thunder. Uh, we entered the conference finals on the ECHL side, so I didn't follow it too intensely until our season there ended, in which case I kind of jumped in and I saw, you know, how, how well the Marlies had been playing and obviously how well the Texas fans had been playing. And then in the finals, you know, a great series, a seven-game series. So I definitely felt it a bit more towards the end than at the beginning. And how familiar are you at this point? I'm just grilling you about your new gig. I apologize. <laughs> but but how familiar are you with with uh, the depth of the of the Kings organization at this point? Like how you know, how much homework have they given you as far as who, you know, who's on the team and, and uh, who's likely to be there next year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I've, I've kind of done my own research and my own homework on who's in the organization, you know, as far as who's going to be where, um, I think it's a little above my pay grade, but <laughs> you know, I, I kind of, you kind of can just tell by you know who was where last year, but obviously Drew Doughty is going to be on the only team. There's no <laughs> doubt about that, but when you look at, you know, the third and fourth lines and those last few roster spots, it's not really something I, I've i been too, too informed on as of yet. You know, you can always make your own speculations, but on the AHL side, you always kind of have to have that wait-and-see mentality because, you know, you have no control over who's going to be on your team versus who's going to be in the NHL. So you kind of just have to wait and see on how NHL training camp shakes out in the preseason and then you kind of see your roster develop at the end, almost a piece at a time as, you know, those last cuts are made in Los Angeles to see who, you know, starts to be in Ontario. Well, Zach Dooley, I want to thank you very much for joining me. 
Jesse, thanks for having me. It was a great introduction. Hopefully I'll um, be able to come on a little closer towards the season and talk rain hockey. Joining me now for Father's Day, the man who taught me everything I know, but not everything he knows about the sport of hockey, <clears throat> my father. How are you doing today, Dad? I'm good, thanks, Jess. How are you? Good. Happy Father's Day to you, and of course, all the fathers listening. Yes, thank you, and of course, thank you, because, gosh, without you, I am not a father. Well, except that I've got two sisters. <laughs> well, sure, but they way after you. Well, that's true, and they wouldn't be alive anyway. They wouldn't be. So whole, right. the whole family history, we won't go into That's right, uh, the whole story. Not important, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, thank you. Uh, so uh, those uh, newer listeners m- may be unfamiliar with uh, with how you and I uh, are, are devoted Kings fans. We have this little game that we like to play called uh, Did You Hear the News? Um, now, generally speaking, I've had the leg up on you <laughs> o- yes, over the yes. last couple of years because I get an email from the, <laughs> I get an email from the organization <laughs> the moment something happens. So I, I sort of get to cheat. But um the latest, <laughs> the latest match of Did You Hear the News was this week when the Kings reacquired Peter Budai. Um, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about that. Um, well, yes, I, I think it's a great trade. Not like it's not going to bring the cup or anything. No. <laughs> but, um, and I hate, you know, this is the part where I, I hate because, you know, I am a big Kings fan, and I like all the players, and I I'm not a like oh that guy. Well, occasionally I am, but in this case, it's it's not that Andrioff. Oh, I'm so you know, but he seemed to be a guy sitting out a lot, and I I don't I don't know how he really fit into the team that much, especially going forward. And so, uh, and I've I said to you all year, I just think they have too many forwards, and at some point, people have to be jettisoned. And it's just a question of who. And, you know, if you're going to jettison a guy who's number 15 on the chart, well, okay, we can all live with that. And then you bring back a guy who obviously everybody liked. He did well. We're short on goalie. So, you know, and he seems to really like the organization and they all like him or whatever. So it's great. I think it's a really good trade. I, I quite like virtually everything Blake has done. I have to say I'm, I'm, uh, I didn't know what to expect. But because um, you never know with ex players, right, to come up. Well, and especially, especially, especially when they're the assistant general manager. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and a guy with a, you know, he's got a, an interesting history with the Kings. Yeah. But, but you know, I just never, you just never know with players, I guess, especially after eight years of a guy that was a lawyer, right? So it's a, a, such mm-hmm. a different thing. But I, I have to say, so far, I, I've, I've kind of been um, on. On, you know, I think Blake's doing great. I think these are, you know, you know how I feel about Camilleri, Brock Camilleri, <laughs> but he jettisoned him as soon as it became clear it wasn't going to work. Well, I think it's funny. You, I think it's funny you mentioned Camilleri because maybe two months into the season, or maybe it wasn't even that long. Uh, I can't remember the exact line, uh, but but Jack Jablonski and I were doing a post game show, and the bottom six was, you know, a total just chaos, and nobody knew what they were. And and I think it was a line of like Brooks like Camilleri and Andrioff or something like that. Right. And I remember saying to Jack Jablonski, like, I don't know what the point of that line is. Right. Not yeah. not to criticize any of those three guys or their no. commitment to the game or anything. But it's just like that line doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not sure why it's together. It's not producing. It's it's getting, you know, taken to the woodhouse every night. And it, within two weeks 
of us questioning that. I think it might have been the next day. Camillary had been traded. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Brooks like obviously was a temporary fill-in and, and did a pretty good job for what they asked of him. Um, and Andrioff never, like you said, he never really found a spot. He had one really brief patch uh, during that yeah. road trip, right, where he scored like, hey. two or three goals or something. Yeah. You know, and which, you know, look, the guy can play hockey. It's just, um, yeah, like at some point the league is going through this kind of, as it does, right? You know, they go through these transitions and then people figure that out and they move on to the next. And right now the league is kind of moving into a younger, faster um, league, right? For for whatever reason. And, And then you throw in a bunch of guys like Ovechkin and Kopitar and, you know, Brown, like these old guys that are just really, really good. Um, and so, and then there's not as much fighting, right? There's not, I'm not sure the teams don't need an enforcer, but that's another conversation, but Andrioff is not an enforcer. No. And yet in a sense that that was kind of what his role was, right? And he's not big enough or strong enough. I, I know he had the heart, like I know he, he would do it, but that's different than a guy who actually will protect people or will fight the other guys and win. So at some level, they just didn't really, you know, on this team, the way it was going, um, there just didn't seem to be a spot. So if you can trade a guy like that and then bring back a goalie when, you know, uh, the goalie line is a bit short, obviously. So I think that's great. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, so the thing that surprised me was that everybody associated with the organization, if not, like we haven't heard this specifically from the front office, but we heard it from John Rosen and, you know, other reporters, the, the, I, it seemed pretty clear that Andrioff wasn't going to make the team out of training camp. Now to me, that's n- not a surprise, but it is surprising to hear people say that out loud because who knows what will happen, right? Like between now and September. Right. So it's a pretty stunning statement. If a guy like Rosen is, is, is confident to say, there's really no room for him, you know, and, and it's not that complicated. You look at the roster and, you know, as you said, there's too many forwards and he's third or fourth on the depth chart as far as guys who would be an agitator or a fighter. Right? You've got Clifford, you've got Thompson. I suppose Lewis yeah. can step in and do it. Um, yeah. And, and well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. And you've got some kids, right? <clears throat> Kempe came out of sort of, I mean, I guess he didn't come out of nowhere, but you know, he, he more than lived up to whatever we were thinking then I follow came out of nowhere for me anyway. And oh, he came out of right, nowhere for everybody, <laughs> for everybody. And then he was great. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Brodzinski who uh, had flashes of looking really good. And, you know, you, I guess, you know, that's just the way it works right out of the minors. You either have to bring these guys up at some point or, or, you know, uh, I don't know or what, but he seems like a guy that could make it. Uh, and then you've got Velardi, mm-hmm. who everyone seems to think is a lock. So there's four young guys. And Amadio. Don't forget you, Amadio. And Amadio, right. So, like, there's, you know, that's the thing. If you've got a guy like uh, Andrioff, they're just, you know, and, and he's, you know, if he was a big, tough guy, you know, like a Nolan, who except Nolan stopped fighting. But um, then you go, okay, well, maybe there's room for that guy, even in this new league. But I just don't think Andrioff really is that guy. No, it's just and, not big enough. Well, and at this point, and this and, is, you know, this and is not the, skilled enough to be beat right. out any of those guys given his age. Well, that's that's exactly what I was about to say. Was he is twenty seven, yeah. and he's had yeah. he's been on the team for four years. 
And it's like yes. if, if after four years you are, you know. Right. So anyway, I mean, he seems like, you know, yeah. obviously none of this is a, a commentary on his worth as a human no, being. And, and the players with, all seem no, to No, that's what I mean. Like, I, I like all the guys. He plays a lot of heart. And, you know, he's been great for the team. But, I mean, okay, you know, we're fans and, uh, you know, this is the way the league kind of works. You know, it's like yeah. people come and go and there's a salary cap. And so, uh, but, you know, you say, well, is that a good trade? Well, yeah, I think that's a great trade because you've you've basically traded a guy that Paul team. Um, you know, that's a call waiting, but yeah. I'm sure it's a telemarketer. <laughs> it's all right. Um, and then you bring back a guy that everybody liked that, you know, played his heart out. And if you think like, okay, Quick was great last year, right? He obviously came back. The injury is no problem. But, you know, somewhere in the back of your mind, you've got to think, okay, what happens if that happens again? Um, you know, then we're looking at a couple of, you know, I mean, Cam's not a rookie per se, but you're looking at a couple of backups that are young and, and really inexperienced. So it can't hurt to bring a guy like Budai back, who, you know, is uh, a pro. Yeah, I mean, I, I always look at it uh, whenever a transaction, whenever people pr- propose a transaction, I always look at it as how confident are you in the return? You know, so people would say, oh, the King, you know, this is four or five years ago. The Kings need a left winger. They should bring, you know, they should trade X and you know move to foley up into that spot or they should do this or do that and i would always say like okay but you don't actually know what you're you know they'd say like we need to trade justin williams and promote tyler to foley and say like okay that's great but at the time this trade was proposed we didn't know what tyler to foley was and so you'd say you're trading a known asset for a question mark and and you're doing it for two question marks because you don't know if the new guy bringing in is going to produce and you don't know if Toffoli can actually be what Toffoli wound up being. Now, in that case, maybe that trade would have been a good idea. But but bringing Peter Budai in, you're right. We know exactly what we're getting with Peter Budai. And, and, you know, he won't back up uh, quick. He'll he'll play in Ontario. Um, And, you know, from all accounts, um, is is just the greatest human being anybody's ever met. Yeah, and if quick gets hurt you know are you really confident to go with campbell and well that's why uh, i bring up the question mark right because if quick goes down jack campbell as your starting goaltender is a huge question mark a huge and so is the backup right because then you're you're then you've got two goalies that are basically rookies right now they may end up being the greatest thing since sliced bread and terrific but you know you surely you want someone in the organization exactly who's (laughs) a pro (laughs) why roll the dice on a question mark when you can have a guy like yeah. Peter Budai, who you know exactly what you're getting, and it doesn't and it yeah. doesn't cost you anything. It costs you a guy that that, from all accounts, wouldn't make the uh, the roster yeah. out of training camp. So the only reason I, yeah. I wanted to go on and on about this is because I I made the mistake of perusing the comments on Facebook about this trade. Yeah, and <laughs> and there were a lot of people who who you know, like you said right off the bat, you said obviously this trade doesn't bring us the Stanley Cup, and there were so many comments of like. Well, they'll really get him now, or you know, they need to help scoring, and they go and get a backup goalie. What are you doing, Blake? And it's like, no, look, you know, if your house needs new windows, but it also needs, right, you know, plumbing, and and you need to mow the lawn and everything. Like, okay, you got. I mean, exactly, and there's all these cliches, but one of them is a team is really a lot of moving parts. 
Right. There's a lot of various things going on. And I, like I say, I've, I've kind of liked the way Blake has gone about it so far. And yeah, have they made any huge major deals? I don't know, but I mean, they did, they did trade, you know, he got, uh, uh, Gabrick, and then what came, you know, which is a huge contract, and he wasn't contributing, and and you know he's getting older, and so and then you get back a couple of players that have been played that played great, so he's done that, like that that didn't bring us the cup, you know, I don't think it was designed to, right? But ultimately, what you're trying to always do is hone your team into the possible a, a possible sort of, if not a cup winning team, at least a team that can go a couple of rounds and. And honestly, if you look at what happened this year and you look at Vegas and you think, well, how did Vegas do against the other four teams? In retrospect, the Kings kind of did well. (laughs) I mean, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) You know, okay, I know they went down four straight, but each game was a one-goal game. One went to double overtime when they, you know, ridiculously suspended Dowdy. Um, And, you know, they... When you think back, you go, well, actually, um, <laughs> other than Washington, and I think by then, you know, it's a different yeah. story. But anyway, so, yeah, I, I think the trade's a great trade, and it's a, uh, it's a, it, uh, it gives me optimism because it says to me that Blake, un- he's a, you know, maybe it's because he does what I think he should do. <laughs> but then I'm a genius. Um, well, so, one of the things that I loved about Lombardi's tenure, and a lot of this had to do with the fact that he took over when the team was, you know, at its lowest. So it's, yes. it's easy to do what I'm about to say. But if you look back at all of the players that the Kings ever got rid of, going back to 2005, let's say, 2006. Yeah. Other than guys like Simmons, uh, you know, or Shen, who they traded for a star, right? They traded for Mike Richards. Yes. Um, whether or not you think Mike Richards was worth <laughs> don't, it. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> but, but regardless, right? Like everybody understands, okay, yes, we'd love to have Wayne Simmons back, but the trade happened for a reason. But if you look at the Jordan Wheels or the Thomas Hickeys or the JF Barubis, like pretty much yeah. every player they've lost, other than, say, Brian Boyle, right, at the outset. Yes, that's, that's um, who I always say. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, they, they I don't regret any of the moves they've made. No. I don't look at some other player, you know, and, and people always quick to point out Martin Jones, but it's like Mar- they were going to lose Martin Jones anyway. And yes, that was a bad trade, but, but you don't lament yeah. the fact that Martin Jones was lost because you were going to lose him. Now, maybe Colin Miller is one player where you say, look, you traded Colin Miller and Martin, but anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> but this is another one of those trades where it's like, look, I wish Andrea off all the best, but if, four, yeah, but if four years from now, I'm, you know, I'm shaking my head and going, oh man, I can't believe um, that we let Andrea go. I'll be, I'll be pretty surprised. <laughs> no, I, well, well, no, absolutely, no. I mean, Andrea is going to play the same role there as he played here, right? And mm-hmm. that's great, good for him. I hope he does well. But what you did was you got rid of a contract that wasn't going to help you, and you brought in a backup goalie that you needed. So that's 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 a moving part of the team. It isn't. Like I say, it's not the part of the team where you go, oh, they're going to win the cup now. But it is it is one of the moves that leads you, right? Because now, okay, you, there's a contract gone and an extra body gone. So when the rookies come in, you now you can take a better look at them. Yeah. You know, and that is part of, you know, it's just part of the process. I mean, and, you know, uh, I, I think Blake's, it's a totally different kind of thing, right? And, like, I remember saying this to you, or maybe even said on the air, the thing about Lombardi is he's a genius at taking – uh, you know, a franchise or any any sort of 
corporation kind of thing when they're low and figuring out how to make it great. You know, he and that's what he's good at. What he wasn't so good at was once it was great, figuring out how to keep it that way. And that because it, it's a separate skill. Yeah. It happens in business all the time, right? People take businesses, they make them great, and then they get fired because they don't know how to keep it going. Um, you know, the head of AOL is, a, is one of the prime examples. So, you know, so Blake's coming at it. He's got a whole different set of things. But like I say, I like, I, I can't think of anything he's done that I haven't sort of thought, oh, that's, you know, I wasn't crazy when he bought Camillary, but then I thought, oh, for a million bucks, whatever. You know, we'll see what happens. But then, you know, once it was Ayafalo was there and Camillary was sliding, well, you know, he got rid of him and he managed. No one ever thought he could trade Gabrick, and he did. And I, I thought Thompson played great. And geez, he must be happy to get out of Ottawa. Holy mackerel! Yeah, well, we're not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to touch it, Ottawa. I'm not going to let much people much smarter than myself comment on Ottawa. But let's let's talk about those playoffs. You mentioned them earlier. You talked about the Kings and the Golden Knights. Let's talk about the. Uh, we don't need to focus so much on the Kings playoff round, but let's talk about the Stanley Cup final and the Golden Knights and and their season. I mean, I, you were you were convinced much earlier than I that they were capable of doing this. Yes. I, but uh, yeah, you know what? That's right. And I, as I always said to you, that's, they clearly are right. There's at a certain point, you just, it's just not a fluke right anymore. And then the only thing I used to always say to you was, I'll, the only thing I'm going to be curious about is if at some point they lose, you know, three or four games kind of badly, will they then, you know, Will that sort of be it? Well, that never kind of really happened until yeah, until, until the Stanley Cup. Until it was too late. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so all in all, I think wow, what an amazing season! And you know my feeling. I told you before the series that I really hoped Washington won because um, first of all, whatever we've said about Ovechkin over the years, I really was. I think it's great for the game that that a player of his, you know who has who is so passionate and clearly cares and he's you know it was looking like he just could never win and then he does win so i think that's a great story it's good for the nhl it's good for washington right like it's a franchise that's been so close um and you know i think that that can keep season's ticket holders for years um and then also like i said to you then then it makes the vegas story a great story but not but if they won i i I actually think it wouldn't have been a great story. <laughs> that was how I felt. Well, because then you're like, wait a minute, wait yeah. a minute, what the heck? This is now. There's just I can't relate. <laughs> An expansion team shouldn't win the championship in any sport. No, That's my gut feeling. No, and so I... now, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, like I just say. So now it's like, wow, it's a great story. They made it to the finals, but really nobody remembers who makes it to the finals three years later. Yeah. You know, unless unless they come back and win next year and then that then OK, now we've got an interesting story. Well, so I guess that's my question is, is yeah. are they, you know, the teams I keep throwing out, are they the 96 Panthers, the O2 uh, Hurricanes, the uh, uh, the the oh, now I'm blanking the 93 Ducks. You know what I mean? Like there's all these teams yeah. that sort of. Yeah. Came out of well, nowhere and shocked be, everybody, but lost. But that'll be the interesting question, because. You know, m magic really sort of happens twice in a row. And it's one thing to come into the season and then have that, you know, extraordinary event happen that, that you know, was horrible. And the timing of it 
you know, made the whole city kind of come together. And I mean, I've heard the owner talk about it like that. It's not like I'm saying something um, awful, you know, that, that, you know, it it was just one of those really extraordinary sort of things that they were able to capitalize on. Then, you know, they were really good. And also for the first little bit, you're taking everybody by surprise. People are coming in, you know, teams are coming into a new city and, you know, it's Vegas. So maybe they're not, you know, I'm sure they're all trying and all that, but you know, it's, and then things just get on a roll and then, and they're together. But when you came in this, this year, right. I mean, they're just humans right now, all of a sudden they've been to the Stanley cup final. So it's not the same, right. You're not coming in as rejects from other teams, whatever really think they are, but sort of what people say. I mean, they're all really good players and every team had to give up a player. So they weren't really rejects or not wanted. It was, you know, McNabb was very much wanted, right. (laughs) But someone had to be taken. Um, but still, right? It's it's totally different. It's not the same. They're not going to have hopefully any kind of event. They're just going to come in having been. Now, what's their attitude, right? It can't be the same. Uh, and there's going to be some changes, whatever they are. But like now, I'm you know I was listening to NHL Network yesterday, and they're thinking Carlson will go there. Well, that's an enormous change. He's a hell of a player, but it changes your team. Yeah. Right. No, no. Absolutely. You know, Ottawa. Ottawa didn't win any cups. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting. I honestly don't think they'll be – I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make the playoffs. And there's a gutty call for you. Yeah, well, I mean – It wouldn't shock me. No, especially – I mean, the thing that I think makes – I mean, and as the league continues to expand, this will keep happening. It's yes. it, It's harder to make the playoffs. And so, you know, the question is do they make the playoffs next year? Well – you know, I've said before, Anaheim won the division five years in a row and then came second last season, despite everybody thinking thinking they were done. Right. And for yeah. every for everybody who says, oh, they're old or whatever, well, they added Adam Henrique, and he's not old. And, yeah. you know, they still have, right, their defensive core is still a bunch of players under the age of 25, other than Bieksa. Um, Getzlaff is still super good. So, right, there's no reason to expect Anaheim falls apart. There's no reason to nope. expect San Jose falls apart. No. Nope. There's no reason to expect the Kings fall apart. And, nope. you know, you see Arizona had like a, a tremendous winning percentage after December or whatever it was. Yeah. So they, they just make a big trade. I Yeah. You still have to consider Edmonton as a possibility, even though, right, it's funny to laugh <laughs> at it. I mean, and, and look, nothing would make me happier. But still, they, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so it's, you know, the Pacific Division could be very difficult to make it. What, I, what I'm expecting from Vegas is actually what did happen with the Ducks in 2003. You know, they, they make the final, they lose, but then four years later, with not a ton right. of the same players, but with Andy McDonald, with uh, Rob Niedermeyer, with Samuel Paulson, yeah. with Jaguar, right? Like, they had four or five maybe six players left over so i i don't i think it would be perfectly reasonable to expect uh that vegas wins a cup in the next five years right and maybe maybe it's not with flurry right maybe suban develops into the next goalie or maybe and you know maybe carlson isn't you know the maybe he doesn't consistently become a 43 goal scorer but maybe they do bring in someone like tavares or who knows, right? I mean, the team could totally change, but but they'll have four or five guys. Um, yeah, and so it, it could, absolutely. But it also, like if you 
Now, I know you don't want to do Ottawa, but after all, I'm from Ottawa. So, <laughs> and, you know, and still have five siblings there and a, a brother-in-law, um, you know, who likes hockey. Um, you know, if you look at them, you go, well, last, not, not, you know, last year, like not mm-hmm. this, right. They were uh, overtime game seven away from being in the Stanley cup finals to basically being the worst team. And um, the next year, right? So that's the thing. You just don't know yeah. because stuff happens and things change and players that had, you know, phenomenal years. Like I say, you know, you, you come in the next year and it's different, right? You, 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 you can't duplicate kinds of things, right? Like coming in as an expansion team and everybody meeting everybody and an event happening. You can't duplicate that. Well, that's the kind of thing. It's the, it's that kind of confidence thing or that kind of, you know, magic's not the right word, but you know. So if that doesn't happen again, well, maybe they're just an ordinary team. And that's what I'm sort of going to be really curious to yeah. see. No, I wouldn't be surprised. And I was listening to a conversation uh, about who the best GM in the league is right now. And the person was making the argument that it was McPhee because in the Stanley Cup final, both teams were basically built by him. And yeah, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a sound argument, except yeah. that we don't have any idea what any other general manager would have done with this Vegas team. Yes, well, yes. And yes, but I mean that that's always true. <laughs> no, no, well, except that, you know, you can look at a guy like Rob Blake and you can say, okay, there have been plenty of general managers who were brought in right after the previous general manager was fired and had to and had to cope with, you know, the mess that was left behind. And yes. and, and so you have some sort of sense of how frequently different, you know, tacts are taken, how, you know, how how you wriggle out of, you know, cap concerns, et cetera. Um, but nobody's ever been given the opportunity that McPhee was given. And so I don't know, right? Like, Yeah, no, look, he did a brilliant job. So that's all we can say. Well, When but, did he leave Washington? Uh, two years ago, three years ago. I don't know. It might have been. Did he hire Trot, Barry Trotz or was it his successor? I do not know the answer to that yeah. question. That that would be interesting because you know I I mean that's a solid argument I mean look the guy's obviously knows his hockey well but um, but here's but here's why I'm saying you know. it's not a solid argument and it's and we'll never know unfortunately um, yes but but when I argue with people right and I had this fight all through the playoffs and in the last month of the season because people you know the pro Vegas contingent would say oh you're just being salty. Um, at the beginning of the season, nobody would have traded their roster with the Golden Knights roster. So how can you possibly say that the league handed it to them? And my point is, we'll never know what any other GM would have done in the same scenario. It's entirely possible that the scenario that, that was handed to, to the Golden Knights, it's entirely possible that there was no way to do it wrong. Right, like, um, yes, yes. You know, if but, you I if mean, you get because because the rules were specifically changed, right? Admittedly, by the people in charge, so that the so that this expansion team would be good, would be competitive. Now, now obviously, nobody expected them to you know to be Stanley well, Cup contenders. That's the thing, exactly. But, that's but my point right? is, okay, that's fine. But my point is, we'll never know if any team constructed exclusively of third or fourth best defenseman on a team and ninth best forwards on a team. We don't know if that actually might just be a, 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 a possible. Yeah, but 
I mean, I, I get what you're saying. That That's true. But I never think, well, okay, that takes away from what he actually did. And I, I used to think about it in these terms in showbiz, right? Like sometimes I go, well, I, how come I'm not that? And I go, well, you think of those guys on Friends, right? And you go, well, man, if, if that show doesn't come along, do we ever hear of any of those six people? But then I think, but it did come along. And they were the ones. No, right? for sure. <laughs> and so they maybe maybe a different director would have cast a different person. But you know what? It turned out it was those six, and they were brilliant. And that's really all you can go by, right? Because ultimately, it is what it is. And to sort of go, well, what if what if that? What if not? I don't know. It doesn't really help. So, I mean, I think McPhee did a great job. Yeah, maybe any GM, but they wouldn't have necessarily picked the same people. But no, but, but that's my point people. is that it might like maybe if instead of Marcia so Carlson and Smith, maybe instead of that, they wind up with, you know, three guys that that we equally never heard of. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But, but that's that will you know, I mean, you can't. Uh, but he hired the right coach. He got the right thing. And then magic happened. Now, does that make him a genius? No, we'll see. Uh, my thing is, we'll see what happens, because. He didn't take Washington to the cup. And it's, it's sort of like when people say, well, that guy built a team. Well, unless he built a team and it's the exact same team, and for whatever reason he got fired the next year they won it, then you could go, hey, he built the team. Yeah. I mean, teams are built over years with various people. And, you know, so, yeah, he obviously did build a good team. But, I mean, who's not going to draft Ovechkin? Um, you know, but then he left and then they won. So then you go, huh. Well, maybe there was, you know, maybe there was one thing missing, you know, but I, look, the guy's obviously great. I mean, I think he did a great job and I think it was a really great story. I'm just glad they didn't win the cup because <laughs> for me, that wouldn't have been a great story. The way it ended is a great story. <laughs> yeah. He was fired in April of 2014. Um, none oh, okay. none so of the players drafted since then. Uh, well, I guess. Okay. So in, he's fired in April of 14. So then the... 2014 draft Jacob Verana is the only player uh, drafted after he was fired that had any sort of impact. Okay. Well, he built a good team, but he obviously didn't know how to hire the right coach. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and that's a, you know, who knows what the answer to that question, right? How much impact does a general manager actually have on the play on the ice? But you can look at, his his drafting history in uh, in Washington, and he's got Verona, Burkowski, uh, Philip Forsberg, who I guess got traded, Tom Wilson, Chandler Stevenson, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Grubauer, Marcus Johansson, Dmitry Orlov. I mean, he put the team together, right? Cody Eakin, who wound up in Vegas. But, um, yeah. but anyway, uh, yeah, you're right. We, we won't find out how good the Golden Knights are until January of next year. I'd yeah. say it would be a good time. Um, but let's talk about the Kings and what we All expect right. for them next year. I mean, they they make the playoffs, but I think it's fair to say that I don't want to say they got gifted a spot, but I mean, there are a couple teams fell away that I think we expected to be a little bit more competitive. Calgary and Dallas really, and well, St. Louis really just choked down the stretch. They did, but you know, I, I, uh, I there's something about St. Louis that just it's been the same like there they could be Washington right like some year maybe they'll win the cup and then you look back and go all those years and now it's 
they're the cup winners, right? But until that happens, <laughs> I I never expect them to do anything other than win a bunch of games in the regular season and then blow it in the playoffs if they even make it to the playoffs. I don't know why. And I feel the same way about Dallas for the last – they're always touted to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, yeah. and then they just never are. And I don't know why because I don't follow it that close. And, you know, Calgary is just – I don't know Calgary. You know how I feel about Calgary, but, uh, but not as bad as how you feel about Calgary. No, but, but um, like I just don't think uh, so. Those teams, Edmonton. Who the heck knows what's going on with Edmonton? Yeah. Um. So I do expect the Kings because I think. Look, I think the Kings. Right, they didn't have Carter all year. Well, that's a huge yeah. thing. Now, at the same time, Kopitar Brown had incredible seasons. Will they duplicate that? Yeah, I don't see why they shouldn't, right? The, basically, uh, that's how good they are. So it's like, it's like you know, get Slap and Perry, right? Like, say what you want. The guys are really good. You know, they might have a down year, right? They're just humans. But Kopitar and Brown are, are really good and have been consistently. So if Carter comes back, and if this Velarde kid is half of what everyone's saying he is, and uh, if Kempe now comes back with a year under his belt and confidence, uh, I don't see why they're not really good. <laughs> you know? no. I, I don't see, I don't see why they're not. Um, and they, they were right one game away from being second last year. Yeah. Uh, and then wouldn't have played Vegas. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I expect, you know, I think, I don't know about Brzezinski, but like I think he's got potential to be really good. Um, he's fast. He's got a great shot. You know, me. You know, if he can put it together, and if Kempe comes along, and if Velarde's good, and I don't know. I mean, I think there may be a trade in the in the works because I still think they have too many um, good players. So I'm expecting a lot, actually. I'm assuming they'll sign Dowdy. Yeah, no, I mean, well, that I mean, they they have to, they will. But but yeah. I think one of the things you mentioned it with Carter, we talked about it on air um, this past season. One of the things with injuries that nobody ever sort of talks about is it. Not only are you missing that player, but if you have the kind of gap between a guy like Carter and a guy like Kempe, then all season long not only are you getting 60% of Carter at your second center position, but then your third center position is now completely, you know, out of screw. Yeah. And then, and yeah. now your fourth line center is a guy that wasn't even in the league for half the year. Um, right. Whereas if you do have Carter back in the lineup, not only is he taking tougher opponent minutes, but it means that Kempe at third line center is getting easier minutes. So he's able to be more than he is. Right. So he had a great year splitting time between the second and third line. But if he's on yeah. your third line with Carter healthy and productive all year on the second line, that just makes his job that much easier, right? Like Jarrett Stoll Absolutely. as a third line center was a crucial part of the Kings' success because he was probably yeah. the best damn third line center in the league. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, I, I think I think that's the thing. When you read all the comments on line and stuff, people, you know, they keep talking about, well, this guy doesn't score, that doesn't score. And it's like not all uh, 12 guys score. Right. That, that's not that's not the way the game has ever been constructed or or is even able to be. And that's why Stoll, you're right. He was so valuable, right? Because he was tough. He was a great face off guy. He also had a great shot. And he played with incredible heart, and he obviously really knew hockey. Well, okay, he doesn't have to score 25 goals. No, but right? on, on 20 teams in the NHL, he would have been the second-line center. 
He might have been. Yeah, he might have been. But but even if he wasn't right, like there's nothing wrong with being a really good third. Right. I mean, that's the thing that's sort of crazy. Right. This I mean, I know when I was growing up, like, I, I, I mean, there were obviously first lines and second lines, third lines, but it wasn't talked about quite. I don't recall right. it anyway. I don't recall growing up hearing people say, well, he's a top six or he's, you know, he's a, he's a, you know, they might've, there were clearly guys who were on the fourth line, but, but I love them. Right. Like, you yeah. know, my favorite player, club, club pro boy, he's a third liner. Uh, basically. I mean, I don't know, maybe he played more. And, and so there, there's this whole thing now, where if you're not Gretzky somehow or other, you're useless. You know? And I think that's, well, I think most stupid. people forget too. There's 31 teams. Yeah, and there's and and a line consists of three guys. So if right. you're, if you're looking at the top, right? Because you know people have said about Ayafalo, for example, you can't have Ayafalo on your top line left wing. You can't have a guy who only scores X amount of points on your on your top line. And it's like okay, well, if you're looking at thirty teams and the three top players, that's ninety, right? Unless my math is hideously wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're talking about ninety guys, right? Yeah. Well, the ninetieth yeah. leading scorer in the NHL forward last year scored fifty-two points. Right. And, well, and if, and if you go down to one hundred and eighty, right, to drop it down to your second, right. line, your second line. Well, the one hundred and eightieth leading scorer last year scored thirty-four points. Yeah. Well, thirty-four <laughs> points is you know is nothing. <laughs> yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not nothing if you can get a guy who can score you thirty-four points. Yeah. You're, you're no, exactly that. But but I mean, like, if you had asked people, you know, like for example, Tom Wilson scored thirty-five points last year. Right. Well, Tom Wilson. How many did you know? <laughs> no, and how many what, did I follow end up with? Uh, let me double check real quick. I follow wound up with twenty five points. Okay, but the thing what people aren't figuring about that is is that Kopitar and Brown both scored yes. way more points than they had yeah. in the last several years. So clearly, that's all that really matters is the line clicks. Absolutely. Like, not every line's a triple crown line where they all score a million points. On the other hand, they never won a cup. They did you know, have a couple of hundred point seasons, I think, but, you know, but then, then you have to look back, well, what else was on that team? I mean, I don't remember, but um, yeah, I, I, I think it, the other thing with a guy like Carter out is if you have a guy, a center, who's that good, it's going to affect the, the uh, you know, like Pearson and Toffoli, yeah. right? Because now you're talking about wingers having to play with a different center and all that. And they did great. Uh, it's just that you think, okay, and, and injuries happen. But if Carter's not hurt and he's still a great player, I don't see – and then you're bringing – and Velarde's coming in and you've got Brzezinski and you've got Amadio and Lewis and Clifford and you've got a lot of really good – and I don't know if Thompson's coming back or not. I thought he played great. Um, he's under contract. I didn't know much. He's he's on, on con, in, has a contract? Yeah, he's got one more year left. One more year. So I, I thought he was great. And I think he's a perfect kind of fit for a um, like the I follow Clifford kind of role because he's bigger. I think he's stronger. Um, and I thought he, you know, I thought that was a great trade. And I didn't know much about him before that, except that he dated the flipper flop girl um, woman. Um, I, I think I have no idea uh, what you're talking about. <laughs> the flipper flop on TV that show. Oh, oh, flipper they, flop. Okay. <laughs> Right, when they broke up, I think she was dating him um, briefly um, while he was still a duck. But I thought he was great. So you got a lot of good, good talent, and it's whether or not the defense can come together. But every time we say that, you always remind me, well, they won the Jennings. 
Yeah. So, well, so how bad could they have been? Yeah, no, well, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, it, it, it's – it's it's always sort of difficult when you're talking about your own team, right? Like when you look at yeah. when you look at you know the the Ducks in in 2007, you go, God, they had Pronger and Niedermeyer, and you know at one yeah. point, you know they each played 30 minutes a game. So at any point in time, you either right. had <laughs> now they played together sometimes, but they also had had Boshaman who was incredible that season. So it's like at yeah. any one point during the game, you had either Niedermeyer or Pronger or Boshaman on the ice. Right. You go, God, yeah. like, man, I think we really forget how good Drew Doughty is. And Drew Doughty yeah, plays no, 28 <laughs> minutes a game. So at any point during the game, there's a 50-50 shot, basically, Yeah, that Drew Doughty will be out there. I'm yeah. not going to say no, it doesn't you, matter who the other five <laughs> defensemen are, but it's a lot easier, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to carry, um, you know, three rookies on the blue line when you've got uh, Drew Doughty. So, yeah, so people, yeah, I, you know. No, and then look, you've got a guy like Martinez who's, I said before, like there's certain players I think of, because I think of it in showbiz too. There's certain players, like there used to be people at Second City and we'd say, well, that guy's, you know, he's just a real pro, you know, and it would mean someone who was absolutely solid. He might not have been the funniest, funniest guy, but he, you know, everything about him was right. He never did anything stupid. He was just so solid. And you just need people like that. And, I, you know, Martinez is a guy like that, right? He's just a really good, solid pro, uh, which isn't to say he isn't good. I'm right. Saying, right, on top of that. And so when you got a guy like Dowdy who's, you know, Dowdy, and then you got a guy who's a really solid pro, really plays the game right, and then a guy like Muzzin, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is hard when it's your own team, especially nowadays with, you know, Twitter and everything where it's just like constant, right? Mm-hmm. You're constantly analyzing it's kind of like I read this article the other day, or not an article, but just a sentence that said someone had done this goofy study that proved that 80% of people in any given city never go to the, that city's tourist, right. never go to whatever that city <laughs> sure. has to offer. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it's that low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's the same kind of thing, right? When it's in your own backyard, you tend to not yeah. um, give it a fair shake, right? It's like, yeah, and then you go to some other city and you go to see their stupid thing, right? <laughs> Yeah. You know, which isn't half as cool as the one in your city. Well, I mean, just to sort of prove your point, when I went and visited uh, my cousin, your nephew, in New York yeah, for 10 days, and I bought myself a little pass that gave me a ticket to every, you know, sort of everything yeah. that there was to do, uh, he hadn't done any of them. Right. <laughs> and, you know, he's asking me, like, oh, how was the you know, yeah. Empire State Building? And I'm like, you work yeah. 20 minutes away from it. Like, but Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's what you're right. It's always harder nowadays when it's so fashionable for all of us to sort of rag on our own team. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a way, it's more fun, I guess. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm expecting them to do really well next year. I really am. I'm looking forward to it. Like I say, I'm, I'm, I think Blake's been doing uh, terrifically. I think that all the moves he's made have been pretty solid. And I'm really thinking, uh, I'm curious. Uh, uh, I mean, Christy and I are going away Friday night. So I have to watch the draft on my phone. If I can figure out how to do that. Um, Best of but, um, yeah, no, I, I know, <laughs> but I have her. So she maybe at least do it for me. Um, but I'm thinking there's going to be a trade. I, I don't know why. I just think that something's going to happen. Well, I think, I think the Kings are in the market for a big trade. I think a lot of teams are, and and part of it is, you yeah. know, like what's happening in Ottawa. Um, part of it is yeah, there's oh the, the John Tavares thing. 
But also, I think part of it is, and we're not quite where basketball is yet, but uh, in basketball, uh, there's this there's this uh, writer and podcaster and, and media company founder that I'm fond of listening to. His name's Bill Simmons, and he's introduced a phrase called pre-agency. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and William Carlson and Drew Doughty, not William Carlson, excuse me, Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty are both entering their pre-agency period, right? Where you now have a year <laughs> right. where it's like, okay, Carlson's not going back to Ottawa. Um, it's except that he's building apparently a beautiful new house on I know, a really, but come really on. nice spot, <laughs> <laughs> and he can't go back. I mean, unless the team is sold and and every other player is is traded but anyway the point is we're we're getting more and more to a point now where athletes are having control over where they want to go and yeah and so you know you look at the free agency list for this year and it's not an incredible list but you look at the you know free agency list for next year or the year after that a year after that and you start realizing like okay dowdy needs a raise so he's gonna get you know, at, at the yeah. very least, he'll be getting two to three more more million per year than he gets now. Now, yeah. some of that can be, you know, softened because the Matt Green buyout goes away. Some right. of that, and the know, cap, the, I think, went up. Maybe, well, maybe goes up, and the Mike Richards yeah. penalty goes down a right. little bit. So you can go like, okay, okay, but at some point, yeah, the Kings have to make moves, and the teams that win are the teams that that wrench the most value out of the right. players when it comes to the cap. And so, yeah, you've got Kempe, you've got Velarde, you've got who knows who the fifth or sixth or seventh defenseman is going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, and like you, you were saying before, and it, it, I guess I didn't think of it at the time, is that one of the reasons in this day and age, sometimes you're forced to trade a known entity for a question mark is that you have to fit it into the cap space, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You know, at some point, and they were talking about this on the network that day. If you look at Chicago, they managed for years, but once Kane and Tays got that ten and a half or eleven million, it's been a little trickier. Yeah, because that's just a huge, right? That's a quarter of, or more than a quarter of of the cap for two guys out of twenty. So it's going to get tricky. And now the Kings, they they've got pretty good contracts, and. And they were able to trade Gabrick, and I know they got Fanuf back, but but I think Ottawa kept some of his salary, didn't they? I think they um, did, yeah. And and even so, like his defenseman, but it, it just means that you're probably going to have to trade. Um, you know, not not guys I really want to see traded, but well, no, I just that's feel the, like I mean, yeah. No, but, I mean, yeah. Right now, there's really nobody. I think, oh, we should trade that guy. I I really like the team as is, but if Dowdy's going to make an extra four million dollars. Um, or whatever it is, then, well, that, you know, if you have a cap, then it has to come from somewhere. And then you, so you're going to have to trade one of the guys we all really like, and then bring in a Brodzinski, Velarde, and, you know, and hope that they produce the way the guys that are going to be traded. I just think that's going to happen. I think you're right. It's, I mean, I guess everyone's waiting to see what happens in Ottawa and with Tavares, but um, before things start happening, but that's why I think at the draft, things are going to start happening. <laughs> no, I agree. And and one of the one of the most significant aspects and least I think discussed aspects of Dustin Brown's comeback is that it removes him from the list of lousy contracts. Right. You know, that's if, right. Absolutely. If, if we're heading into this season and Brown has had another season where he scored fewer than thirty points and he's making almost six million against your cap, then you're tugging your collar and you're going, 
what are we going to do? You know, but they traded Gabrick yeah. and got Fanuff, who, yes, I would say technically Fanuff is an overpayment, but at least he's a productive, right? Like at least yeah, he's, and he's, you know, he's he, right, and he's a defenseman that we yeah. we needed a veteran, so that actually yeah. is great, which might allow us to trade, you know, someone else who might have needed a new contract, and maybe we don't want them traded, but right. yeah, but those are all the things that Blake has to figure out. But I'll, I'll, of course, now I will just do the caveat because you know you and I have fought for years. Um, I never thought Brown's contract was that bad. <laughs> no, well, he no. Was the, remember, I used to say to you, he's the one guy sure. that deserves a contract. <laughs> because you were, but, but no, no, he, look, he, he, I never argued that he didn't deserve it because he took yeah. it, he took a low, like he was making 2.9 yeah. for six years yeah. or whatever it was while, when they were winning the cup. So good for him, right? He, he was, yeah. he's being paid for, for prior services rendered. But the point is, if now you have a 60 point, top line winger who who makes your number one center yeah. right even better, better then then all of a sudden yeah. you're looking at 15 million dollars spread over two players rather than yeah. you know rather than looking no, at it, like right. i said tugging your collar and going oh my gosh what are you going to do so it gets to the point now where carter's a huge bargain brown i would say is is at least earning the money that he already deserves yeah. but you know what i mean um yeah. kopitar Look, I don't know, you know, $10 million is a lot of money, but but if you ask me, is an MVP candidate worth $10 million, I got to say yeah. yes. Um, no, right now, right now, he is, yeah. Yeah, Quick it, is, with, is, you know, making exactly, I mean, Quick is an underpaid, at least, I think, at this point. If Quick went on the free yeah, market absolutely. today, you yeah. know, he'd make way more than the 5.8. And so, yeah, you've you've got... You know, Ayafalo and Kempe still on their entry level contracts next year. Um, yeah. You've got all these rookies on the blue line who aren't going to make a ton of money, and and so now you have the option of and and I say these names not because I want to see anybody traded, but just because these are your sort of mid level names. But like if they had to make a trade, and for example, Derek Forbert was included. Yeah, Derek Forbert makes two point five million dollars. Dowdy, yeah. Dowdy, Fanuf, Martinez, and Muzzin is a pretty good, pretty reliable top four. And if you trade Forbert and you roll with two guys making less than a million, or three guys making less than a million, or three guys making less than one point five, whatever it is, well, you've just saved yourself, yeah, you know, a considerable chunk of money. Or if you, you know, and look, like I said, nobody no, I, wants to see Tanner Pearson or Tyler Toffoli. No, absolutely but, not. But but it wouldn't. It, won't shock me if one or no. both are are, and I think that's just and like I say, you know, the thing is talking about McPhee before, right? What makes what makes a, a brilliant general manager in this day and age right now with a cap and with so many teams for me is not not building the team. It's like it's like I say what I said before about Lombardi, right? There are, there are general managers that are really good. You can build a team, right? They figure that out. But what's really, really to me makes you the great general manager are the ones. And I think the guy in Chicago did a phenomenal job because, you know, he at least he made it last a very long time or the guy in Detroit, right? It's yeah. to be able to, it's to be able to get there. And then with your various moves and stuff, keep your franchise always in the mix, Right, can't win a cup every year. That that's crazy a- anymore. But to be always in the mix, yeah. And that's what I'm waiting. You know, that's what's happening, right? So so far, I think what Blake has been doing has been that. Um, and we'll see what happens this year. But that's the trick, right? Is to be able to keep your star star players 
on the roster at a salary where you can afford other people and then drafting and knowing when to jettison people and when to bring in their replacements and which people to jettison, right? I mean, it's pretty tricky. Um, yeah. So, I, I, but I so just, far, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to stress, is I think you're right, but I want to, I, I, I'm now deeply regretting naming Tanner Pearson and Tyler DeFoley by name. So I just... <laughs> I just want to yeah, st- no, well, look, stress I, I, for the record for the listeners. Yeah. I would be personally wounded if Tanner Pearson were ever traded. I love Tanner Pearson. I think Tanner Pearson is the kind of player no, Stanley I, Cup champion. I would hate if either of them are traded. <laughs> and maybe they won't be. But I'm just saying I, I hope they're not. It, I just uh, For me, yeah. it's just like I just won't be surp- – it won't be shocking if given – just given – it's it's not even a thing of oh they're no good and we need someone better. It's nothing like that at all. It's strictly cap. Yeah. Well, and that's why I named them and forward is because yeah, there's no point in trade. Like people say, get rid of Clifford, and it's like Clifford makes one point six million and he's perfectly makes no good money in his role. and he and he has a heart of gold. Yeah. yeah. Now, if somebody wants him, right? If someone other team goes, well, we want so and so plus Clifford, and we'll give you this. Okay. Well, okay, that's hockey. Yeah. But yeah, there's why would yeah. But I mean, there's the no people, point in trading your best players, and there's no point in talking about trading no. your worst players. Any right. trade conversation is bound to dwell within your your mid range guys, and it's it's unfortunate because ultimately, and I've said this time and time again, you can listen to any conversation I had about the Golden Knights. I think franchises' success are built on those kinds of players more more so Absolutely. than your Ovechkins, and your Absolutely, Kovacars and, and that's why hopefully they won't be traded, right? Um, but if there is a trade that ever happens because of cap, uh, and I don't know what the cap thing is this year. Like maybe we're not really in any, maybe they can sign Dowdy and it's not that big a deal. Uh, well, I, I don't, don't think know. it is. I mean, I'm looking at the list here and it's, it's fascinating because everybody, you know, they say they'll put out the list, right? It's one of those things where like a little information is dangerous, is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Um, they'll put out the list of teams with the least amount of cap space or the most amount of cap space. And, you know, you look at the Kings and it's like, oh, man, the Kings only have three and a half or three point nine, according to this site I'm looking at three point nine million in in cap space going into this season. And you sort of think, oh, my God, that's it. Three point nine. Like, what are they going to do? But yeah. they, but that's 20. But that three point nine is because they have 20 guys under contract. Oh, so right. okay. so it's three point nine. To fill out, I mean, right. here's here's the here's the guys that are that are included in that in that uh, in that evaluation is Kopitar, Brown, Carter, Toffoli, Pearson, Lewis, Thompson, Clifford, wow. Rempal, who knows? But uh, Ayafalo, Kempe. Well, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh, eight, well, nine, ten. Is- that's eleven forwards, basically. It yeah. includes Dowdy, Fanuff, Martinez, Muzzin, Forbert, and Daniel Brickley. So, okay, replace Brook- Brickley with whoever. You know, maybe Brickley is the guy, but maybe he's not. But that's six defensemen and three and three goalies. That's with Budai's one yeah. one point two five million. Wow. So, but I mean, look, what's the fun of being a general manager, right? I mean, if because we all think it'll be fun, maybe right. it's not. But if you have a team like the Kings, right, and you go, okay, we have three point nine, so we're okay, but we're probably going to give all of it to Dowdy, um, or at least you know three of it. Yeah. So now we are a little bit on the cap, but. We have a couple of rookies that are coming in that we really think are going to make the team. Well, okay, then that means there's two guys. You know, if you have, if you say, and I'm right, you hate throwing out names, but let's just say they pencil and they go, okay, Velarde, 
um, and maybe he won't, right? But if everyone's saying he's going to make the team and Brodzinski's going to make the team and maybe Amadio. Okay, well, now that's three people. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, three people have to go then, right? Now, maybe you can work it out that only two people go. Well, but, but no, but what you do is you say, okay, Andrioff is gone, so that's one of them. Well, that's one, yeah. Reader, so that's one. Reader probably won't come back, so that's two. Although I, I, I totally forgot about him. I liked him. I thought he was. I know great. the problem. Yeah, he, the problem is though, that is again. He, yeah, he he's makes, not a king. Well, and he makes two point four million last year, which means just to yeah. retain his his restricted free agent rights, they have to offer him whatever two point five. And right, I'm, no, probably no. That's probably <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what, and I totally forgot that he was also. So that's it. So now you now you're talking about you got Brown, I follow Kopitar, Carter, Pearson, Toffoli. Reader, and then if Velarde's good, now you've got like set eight or nine top six players. Yeah. Well, you know, it just doesn't, and that's been true of hockey, you know, from the get go, right? Like, I, you know, I always say when I was growing up, the Canadians, there were only six teams, but then there were 12. I mean, by the time I was 16. But one of the things they were really good at, um, if, you know, because I was always, right, I was a huge Habs fan, was that they managed to take these, a lot of times, third line centers, turn them into kind of, uh, um, you know, stoles and then jettison them right for first round draft picks. It helped that there was a crummy Kings team that was willing to make any trade. They yeah, offered. no, <laughs> no, there were, but nevertheless, that's kind of what they did, right? They would, they would bring these guys in, right? Put them in the system, make them great players, and then at some point, um, they were all traded, you know. Yeah. And or if they got slightly old, like Steve Shutt, like he was on the best line ever, right? Or or Lemaire. I mean, you, you know, they would eventually. And that was kind of how. And Detroit kind of did it too, right? Like they just stayed for twenty five years by knowing who to bring in and when to jet. And I think that's kind of what Blake is is different than what Lombardi did for the Kings, right? That's what Blake has to figure out, right? You know, and and the the great general manager is the one that that figured out, you know, you'll never make 100% right moves, but, um, you know, know who to jettison, when to jettison, what rookie to bring up, and how to keep the contracts juggled. So according uh, it, to uh, so according to this other site I'm looking at, uh, which has a slightly more refined uh, set of things, assuming Velarde makes the team. Yeah. And assuming that – and this doesn't uh, – take into account bringing back any of the restricted free agents that might leave. But you have Iafalo, Kopitar, Brown, Defoli, Carter, Pearson, Clifford, Kempe, Lewis, Velarde, Thompson, and that's it for forwards. So you have room for three more forwards, right? Because your your third your fourth line needs one more guy yeah. plus two healthy scratches. And then you've got Fanuff, Dowdy, Martinez, Muzzin, Forbert on defense. So you've got room for two more defensemen. So three forwards and two defensemen because that's Campbell and Quick. And no one else. So you've right. got five spots you need to fill, and you have five point eight million in cap space to do it. Right, but you didn't include the right reader, and there was the other guy um, who ended up not dressing a lot, but that I liked. The older guy, fast guy, I forget his name. Tory Mitchell. Yeah, no, he's he's, yeah, Tory he's, Mitchell. he's he. They could re-sign him, but he's not necessarily. Um, he's not under contract. Those are the guys under contract. Yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, but I'm just thinking like the guys that were on the team. Right. So Tory Mitchell made 1.2 last year. I think you could probably have him back for roughly the same. Uh, Christian Foline, right, who I thought oh, yeah, was Foline, yeah. I thought was great. 
Uh, he made yeah. eight hundred and fifty thousand last year. So there's two million for two spots. So now you've down to three point. Like I said earlier, three point eight. Plus the other the other defenseman, right? But did you Fandenberg. name the other defenseman? You mean Fandenberg? yeah, Fanberg? I didn't include yeah. him, but he's under yeah. contract, I think. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you, your your first thing was those people, but we already have another five guys that were basically on the team. Right. So now, if you're bringing in, if Brodzinski and Amadio and Velarde oh, come in, it's just people, you know, it's just the way it goes, right? Like at some point, and you know, like you say, like, uh, I don't know what, who they trade or why they trade them. I would make trades for draft choices myself. Um, but there are interesting trades like that Domi for, you know, that trade, like, you know, that was when I first heard, I was like, what the heck? And then I heard people talking about it and I guess it makes sense, but. Um, you know, there there are just sort of trades out there because if you don't win the cup, then you have to. That's the other thing, right? You, you, you it's nothing wrong with mixing things up a little bit. I I like the team as it is. Well, look here but, you go. If you include so so I'll, I'll I'll do redo it. Brodzinski, Amadio, and Fantenberg are all under contract. If they all make the team, you're looking at two healthy scratches. Uh, a forward and a defenseman and 3.8 in cap space to play with. That's so fine. You, two guys that make less than a million bucks each. Um, and if the cap but goes up, then that's if reader leaves and, and, Mitchell, Mitchell, and leaves. Mitchell doesn't come back. Yeah. I, I'm expecting yeah. that they won't bring Mitchell back just because at some point, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you have yeah. these guys in the, in the lineup and it's like, okay, if, if, if Mike Amadio doesn't, play regular season minutes in a Kings uniform this year, then yeah. then what are you doing with him? Because he's 20, 21. He's obviously good. They obviously love him. He's not going to, you know, there's no point in sending him back to uh, Ontario for another year. Um, no, but I could see him going back and, and just doing what he did this year, back and forth a little bit. I think we always yeah. forget in retrospect that a lot of players do that. Um yeah, like I mean, with, uh, I confess, I have a huge like Amadio is my next Tanner Pearson, right? Like, I love Amadio, ah, okay. so I'm, <laughs> I'm biased. I grant you. But, I know, but I, you know, I, I could say like they were talking about Washington on the radio, and they were talking about some guy I forget, and saying that he he almost did four years of back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that like you know Pearson and Toffoli didn't just come up and stick, right? They came up and played, went back. You know, I think that happens. It's just that in it's you have to go back in retrospect and remember that oh yeah it actually took them two and a half years before yeah. they were regular regulars kind of thing so I I could see Amadio doing that but um because who's on the third line I I mean I there's so many players well uh, yeah I mean assuming assuming but the, if it's Kempe Lewis and Clifford or Kempe Lewis and, well I mean the the thing that everybody you know the people like the mayor and 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 Dennis Bernstein and other people have been kicking around is the notion that the Kings would go out and get somebody like Max Pacioretty or who knows, right? A, a, a quote-unquote legit top-line winger to play with Kopitar and Brown, and then either Ayafalo goes down to the third line, in which case your third line is Ayafalo, Kempe, and Lewis, I guess. Yeah. Um, or maybe they try Velarde on that line. Who knows, right? But I think Kempe's the only player that's sort of really penciled in as third line. And and he right. presumably he'd be the center. Um, I, now I personally I'd be perfectly happy with Ayafalo on a line with Kempe and somebody else, but only because yeah. I love Ayafalo and I don't think it matters where you play him. He's gonna he's going to yeah. be valuable for you. 
Yeah, no, I've, and look, I, I Lewis, Kempe, I follow line, I think would be a great line. And then if you had Mitchell, Clifford, and I forget. Thompson. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Thompson. Yeah, not Mitchell. <laughs> Clifford, Thompson, and um, and Villard. But then, you know, Villard, is he going to be on the fourth line? I don't know. Well, so, I mean, they have a lot of. I mean, right? Villard could include... be the top line left winger, right? Like, I don't know. Or he could be, and that doesn't include Brzezinski, Amadio, Reeder, uh, Mitchell, uh, Anderson, Dolan. I guess he's not really probably ready. Not but, this year, um, so. Yeah, you know, and and uh, and whoever they draft this year, right? Right. <laughs> probably won't be ready because it's a, a late draft. But yeah, so I just uh, that's not why I think, and like you said, I think a lot of teams are it's kind of in the trade. Like they've already been a bunch of trades that I I wasn't expecting. Um, and I think once ha- whatever happens with Tavares and Ottawa, well, I think we'll really start getting things going. And the yeah. Ottawa thing is just so, you know, complicated. <laughs> you know, it's like, just a mess. Like I, asked, I mean, oh. I mean, your listeners know I'm from Ottawa, so I asked my, I asked Lisa, my sister in Ottawa, like, are you Team Hoffman or Team Carlson? You know, it's like, <laughs> that's what it's come down to, right? But ultimately, it's hard to believe. You know, they can't both end up on the team. No. You wouldn't think. And, no, well, this, um, and the horrible thing is, right, because now the Hoffmans have come out and protested, or I shouldn't say the Hoffmans because yes. they're not married, but they, they're protesting their innocence, even if they didn't do it, even if she is innocent of it. Well, there's still... Then, then just the, ling- the lingering... But that's the point, right? Then there's the lingering yeah. ill will of the accusation, and the and I mean, yes. oh, it's a mess. I just don't... Oh, it's know. a mess. And, you know, the thing is, it's not even just that, right? The assistant GM might be going to jail yeah. or at least he's yeah. gone, yeah. right? And then the owner is threatening to leave, and they can't get the... They can't... You know, their rink is... You know, it's a beautiful arena. Like, well, I Alfredson's love it. Alfredson's on record is saying he hopes the team... Yeah, it's just a mess. Yes. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. Yeah. Like... Like, like I read this article today that said, is this the beginning of the end for Ottawa? Like not like it being a franchise in Ottawa. Yeah, that would be just really sad because, look, I haven't lived in Ottawa for a long time, but it is a really good hockey town. You know, people are passionate, but I I read that actually they only get 85 percent capacity, which surprised me. But I think it's because the franchise is just, you know. It's just well, annoying people. And, and look, I never <laughs> were way off topic here, and I'll wrap it up in a second. But but I, I generally speaking, whenever I hear people talk about the location of an arena as having yeah. a direct relationship to the success of the franchise, there's a little voice in the back of my head that always goes like, "Come on, you know, like <laughs> yeah, I live in L.A. It doesn't matter what part of L.A. the arena's in; it's going to be a pain in the butt to get there on on a yes. Tuesday night at seven thirty. So like." You know, you live in the Valley, it takes forever to get to Staples Center. You live in anywhere south of downtown L.A., it takes you an hour to get... You know what I mean? Like, it just takes a long time. But, as you mentioned, your your family and my family's from Ottawa. <laughs> I've been to yeah. a couple games. Yeah, a, that a thing location. is way the heck out of the way. And, yeah. and B, I gotta say, there's something about... Uh, you know, no matter how bad the weather is on any given day... Getting from wherever you park to Staples Center is not a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> but your your one of your older brothers took me to a game in Ottawa oh. uh, when I was visiting uh, for my grandmother's your mother's eightieth. Uh, I think it was her eightieth birthday. Uh, so yeah. it was in the middle of January, <laughs> and I thought I was I literally thought I was going to freeze to death on the yeah, on the no. walk from the parking lot to the arena. 
Yeah, um, I know it's horrible. I mean, I actually <laughs> thought I was going to die. Um, yeah, I would not. Die no, it's it, it, it's horrible, <laughs> and they're trying to move it. But the owner, I don't know what's going on. So that franchise is a mess. So those guys yeah. have to be one or two have to be jettisoned, and that's going to start. Now, if Carlson is just traded to Vegas straight up, then I guess. No, but the, then the I guess, but the point is, even if he is, then Vegas now has an extra defenseman. No, I mean if they. No, I'm saying if they trade a straight up defenseman for. Oh yeah, like, right. If they traded uh, Schmidt or whatever for Carlson. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah, or yeah, you know, or that and a draft choice kind of thing, right? Then doesn't change that much. Then, then Hoffman, I guess, is the problem because everyone's saying he's. He he's going to be hard to unload, <laughs> but um, <laughs> and then Tavares and God only knows what will happen with Tavares. I mean, my guess is he'll end up staying just because most of these guys always do end up staying. <laughs> but I mean, look, you've got you've got Joe Thornton, Rick Nash, Paul Stasny, Mike Green, Thomas Placana, Kerry Letton, and John Tavares, uh, Filippula, Neil. Gr- well, Grabowski's not, a, um, but um, Halak, so when was the last Jack? When Johnson, was the last Rams- guy? Yeah. Sorry, when was the last guy of Tavares' status, right? In other words, the first overall pick who's on a – like last time was Stamkos and he stayed. Yeah. When was the last time a guy like him changed teams? Like I mean, a number one center? Yeah, like your number one center, number one pick. Like, you know, a guy like Dowdy, Tavares, Stamkos, you know, Kopitar. You know, like when was the last time Kane, Taves? When was the last time one of those guys actually left – the team they were on via free agency i can't think of one. yeah yeah that's what i'm saying maybe I, when, I when did fedorov leave detroit and did he do it via free agency i don't remember but it was a hell of a long time ago yeah and i'll grant you they had eiserman so it's not like he was yeah you know but even so yeah, plus so, he was he would have been a lot older i mean they almost never end up despite all the threats right um Leaving now, maybe Carlson will this year, Ottawa, but that will be different. Yeah, <laughs> that that won't be quite the same thing. But um, so I'm actually expecting Tavares to stay, and I imagine that's why they got Lamorello uh, to try and you know facilitate that. I kind of hope uh, he leaves. Do you? Yeah. Gen- Comes to the Kings? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I, well, I don't know. I mean, no, I don't. No. But <laughs> no, but but part of me just wants to see, first of all, it's like, you know, it's, it's, if I lived on the East Coast, I'd probably feel about the Islanders the way I do about the Flames. Yeah. Where, where I just shake my head and I go like, look, I don't know what you're doing, but you're ruining careers <laughs> and yeah. you're making for a lot of games in the back half of the season. That, that don't matter um yeah so i find that annoying even though obviously half the league has to miss the playoffs so whatever whatever yeah. but but no it's like there's some teams and the islanders are one of them right where i can remember three years ago maybe three years ago two four three or four years ago whatever it was um team the royal half we all went to vegas for frozen fury yeah and uh the royal half was going to place a bet for the Stanley Cup final. And he was soliciting, you know, advice. And Pumpernickel and I got in a disagreement because Pumper was sure that the Islanders um, <laughs> were were going to be a threat because of some free agent signings they had made. I don't remember now off the top of my head. I think they had picked up um, that defenseman from Chicago. Uh, yes. 
right? And they had, you know, they they put together a, a pretty decent second line pair, or whatever. And I just sort of laughed and went, "Nah, man, it's the Islanders. Like, get out of, <laughs> get out of here. I don't care what they do." Um, and I wound up winning that particular round. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm just sort of, I, you know, losing Tavares would force them to build around their two or three really young players. Um, yeah, well, maybe Lamorella will make all the difference in the world because he's a hockey guy. But up until that, I don't care who they had on their team because, frankly, the ownership and the yeah, it's no, a the bit general like Edmonton, a, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. They don't, and honestly, like I don't know what's going on in Edmonton. There's something weird, but in the Islanders, it's really simple. If you have a stadium and it's old, but people love it, and you know, you got to you know, pretty solid fan base, but yeah, you've been screwing the team up. And then you say, you know what, we're going to move to this new arena and that arena isn't um, for hockey and there's right. behind a pole. Yeah. Well, that should tell you all you need to know about the franchise. Yep. 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 <laughs> right. No, I think that, you're right. That's it for me. <laughs> right. like, but that's, but that's exactly what I'm sort of getting at. Right. Is like, yeah, just let John Tavares go. Like if John Tavares wound up in Montreal, for example, yeah, I think that would just be great because yeah. you know yeah. Montreal's made some goofy trades lately, but generally speaking, I don't know. They seem like a relatively, although I did ask uh, <laughs> in, in in our little private hockey chat, I did ask like, who would you rather be a fan of heading into this next year, Montreal, Edmonton, or Ottawa? Um, <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a toss-up, but but maybe not Montreal. But you know, like let's say he left the Islanders for the Rangers. Like, yeah, that would well, be, a, be that would be an amazing no that would story that would be long. a good story yeah or even the devils but the rangers especially yeah. yeah 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 no no that no that would be you know would certainly be interesting like i say it, it almost never really actually happens so no. um i i i just i mean if he went to one of those teams that'd be great i just wonder where he really would end up because I, there was like i was listening to them talk about him on the nhl network like it was you know I haven't been listening that much lately, but yesterday I just did. And there was, you know, someone was saying, well, if he wants the money, then he'll stay there. If he wants to win, he'll go somewhere else. And if he wants, you know, just a change of scenery, right? I thought, well, uh, where would he go? Like, where does he go with a, with where he's going to make, I mean, what's he going to make? 11 million or something or 12 million or 10, whatever it is. Where does he go with that kind of a salary where he can be sure he's going to win? Or, or no one can ever be sure, but yeah. you know where you go. Okay, that team, because it's not going to be Chicago. They can't afford him. It's not going to be the Kings. We can't afford him and don't really need him. Uh, could be the Maple Leafs, but I don't know. Do they need? Do they need Tavares? Well, Would the thing with the Maple Leafs is, if, well, but if if you if the Maple Leafs sign Tavares, then they can afford to trade one of those forwards for the defenseman that everybody thinks they need. Right? So if yeah, they, so, if they uh, sign Tavares and then they turn around and go to the Kings and say, uh, let me just look real quick at uh, at who they have to offer. But if they, but if Toronto were to turn to the Kings and say, we want Drew Doughty and the Kings laugh in their face and say, give, you know, give me a break. And they say, well, we'll give you, you know, I don't know, uh, not Austin Matthews, but we'll give you Mitch Marner and, you know, or we'll give you William Nylander, one of those two guys, right, who are 21 or 22, and our best defenseman, you know, and a pick. Well, as much as, right, like as much as I think Drew Doughty's number is going to hang in the rafters, 
he should have his own statue, not just be included in the 50th anniversary statue. Right? Like, I love Drew yeah. Doughty. Drew Doughty is one of my top five all-time kings, you know, in my life. But if the offer for Drew Doughty is, you know, William Nylander, uh, Morgan Riley, and a pick. Yeah. Uh, I guess you have to I'm listening, think about right? it, I guess. <laughs> like, I'm listening. Yeah, I don't you know. know. <laughs> I don't know if I would do it. but no, yeah, I don't either. About but, it. but, you know, um, William Nylander is 22 years old. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's where Carlson goes. Look, it doesn't have to be Dowdy. They can make that deal with Ottawa. But, I mean, maybe that's a place where Tavares, you know, because it's always Toronto, right? It's always Toronto, the Rangers, yeah, uh, with these big free agents, because you have to go to a city that can afford it and and where they are, you know, like, uh, be, and, and so that would be really interesting. But if he ends up on Columbus, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> you know, no, I then can, he's going I for the tell, money. <laughs> I can tell you exactly. The first thing, well, not the first thing, but the first thing that will happen in my life if he goes to Columbus is I'm tweeting out and nobody ever heard from John Tavares again. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what's happening if he goes to Columbus. But anyway, I, I, I just, I, you know, I guess we'll find out soon enough, right? But I just think he'll end up staying there. I think that's why they got Lamorello, frankly. Yeah, right? well, I wouldn't Was be to, surprised. To tell him we're changing the uh, right the culture. <laughs> the culture around here. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no, that I, will be interesting. But, but, but I mean <laughs> – I'm going to contradict myself here. He probably should, right? They have a new owner. They're getting a new building. They're going back to, you know, to being the Islanders and actually playing on the island. Yeah. I understand that Brooklyn technically is on Long Island, yeah. but whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, new general manager, new owner, new building. Yeah. Well, here's my feeling because I'm old, right? I've never really liked free agency. I get it. Um, <laughs> so I always think that it's a shame if, if um, you know a franchise player leaves the city that they're in, like that's one of the things I don't like about basketball. And I get it; it spreads the wealth around, and you know LeBron James plays here, there, and everywhere, and every city gets. And that I guess there's something good about that. But I, I, you know, to me, it's like, hey, you you got drafted by Cleveland, playing Cleveland your whole career. Right, right, and every every city you know gets a chance to draft their player, and I don't know. I just like that, right? And then if you get traded, okay, you get traded. Um, yeah, well, I mean that's so, the, but that's the thing, right? Is that the the teams? You know, it's one thing to say, okay, yes, LeBron James or John Tavares <laughs> should stay where they will stay, but anybody less than that will will get traded. I mean, yeah, no, and look, yeah. look, Gretzky got traded. I mean, you know. You know, Subban got traded. People get traded. That's part of the fun of sports, not maybe for the player, but yeah. uh, or the player's family. It's probably a horrible part of sports, but you know, as a fan, it's <laughs> right. It's part of the, part of the fun. Yeah. Um, talking about fans, I uh, this is off topic, but I just just watched it. And I so last night there was like there's nothing on TV in the summer, right? And we had gone out to dinner and came home, and it was late. And lo and behold, that there wasn't a CFL game on. So I started watching it because I really do love the CFL. Yeah. And I'm watching the game, uh, but I turned it off. And then I wake up this morning and see that I missed a fan on the field. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the clip, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was so mad that I didn't yeah. see that live. I, I would have been like so much – because I was watch. I watched a lot of the game, but I just didn't see that. Part. Did you see the player sort of just arbitrarily decide at the last minute to turn yes. and take the guy yes, out? Yes, I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then high five with all yeah, the teammates, yeah, right? yeah. which I thought was highly amusing. Um, anyway, it's such a much better game than the NFL. I, I get that the players aren't nearly as good, like that part I get, but the game itself is much more enjoyable. 
Well, and for all you <laughs> listeners <laughs> who are Americans who have never watched the CFL, tune into ESPN2 on a, whenever it is, Friday night or whenever they – and just watch a game. They're, they're quite entertaining. <laughs> well, I don't think I could have uh, predicted that that's how this episode would end. But there, <laughs> there you have it, an impassioned plea to, to pay more attention yeah. to the CFL. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Jess. Thanks for being my dad. All right, well, my pleasure there, too. (laughs) uh, Thanks for being my son. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.